0: for that, Andy. Um, do we have any hockey fans here? I mean, we have football fans. You know, in hockey, they have this tradition that you have a starting goalie, a backup goalie, and then they have someone in the stands that is actually the third goalie, that is usually some high school player. I feel like today I am that guy in the stands <laughs> who just got called up, and I hope I can stop some shots coming my way. Uh, but, you know, it's good to be here, guys. Uh, sorry I'm not Ray Lucas. I am a Jets fan, and, uh, Um, But uh, so what I wanted to share, and and it's I am speaking tomorrow at Liquid Church's men's group, so this actually was something I spent some time preparing, is talking about um, the parable of the ten talents and talking about how we can be better Christian fathers, businessmen, and followers of Christ. So that's going to be the the talk that we cover today. And um, we're going to start, I think, the first part, Um, go ahead and click, and we're going to have yeah okay we're going good bible trivia so the topic is business and christianity does anyone know um the first prolific investor mentioned in the bible any thoughts Well, the answer was noah he was floating stock when everybody else was in liquidation so now the second thing you know the business world's a mess right now in a lot of ways. The banking crisis is causing a lot of pain. Um, how about, does anyone know the first bank mentioned in the Bible? Guys, you've got to read your Bible. It's Old Testament stuff here. It was uh, mentioned when Moses was found at the Bank of the Nile. That's the first bank mentioned in the Bible. So, um, well, let's jump in. You, Andy gave a little bit of my background. I'm not, you, I've spoken here before. You know a bit about me. Um, but personally, maybe I'll stop there. I'm... Married 37 years, got three kids, one new grandkid, um, and since the theme is sports, I thought I would share my most prolific sports accomplishments, because that's what y'all came here to hear anyway, is stories. Now, I was the second string tight end in high school, not very good, slow, so that's as far as football went, but my best sports accomplishments, and I will share, is that I've made four hole-in-ones and one double eagle in golf. and. The other part was I was able to slam dunk until I was 50 years old, and I still was able to do it. I was a high jumper in high school. So that's that's as good as I have it for sports. I didn't play for the Jets, but those are my accomplishments. Um, professionally, Andy, thanks for that introduction. I currently run uh, an executive recruiting talent management business. We do some interesting work across senior leadership. We also have a sports practice, which we just, you know, kind of stuff we do, we just did the president of the NCAA search we were engaged to find the new president to save the NCAA from what's going on and interesting work we placed the sitting governor of Massachusetts Charlie Baker Um, you know so the kind of work we do is we literally had to call Obama Condoleezza Rice our target list of candidates was pretty interesting but Charlie Baker got that and we do a lot of college head coach searches we do some pro searches so um, you know we're in that business as well as other lines of business and then You know my faith story and it gives context to our our comments today Um, you know I grew up in California in a very very Christian family I went to church like five times a week Sunday morning double sessions we had to come back Sunday night Wednesday was a refresher and Friday was youth group and I think I was blessed that I had this upbringing that really where I I don't remember a time when I didn't know the Lord and and so um, that's a just a little bit about me but let's jump in and talk about this parable of the talents. And I, I call it, and you I think you're all probably familiar with it, but we're gonna read through it, but I kind of call it the Glen Gary, Glenn Ross parable. And maybe we'll we'll go and and you uh, can click on the video, we'll start with that. <coughs> and We're not gonna start with that. Well, I'm going I'm to recreate the Alec Baldwin scene for you. If you remember, Alec Baldwin in, in Glengarry Glen Ross was the sales leader. This was a kind of a call room where they were selling real estate, and he was trying to spur sales. And he walked into the, sales, into the group of sales guys that were sitting there, and he said, guys, we're having a sales contest. First prize, Cadillac El Dorado. Second prize, set of steak knives. Third prize, you're fired. It's an iconic scene. Uh, sorry we can't see it, but, uh, uh, but it, it, it it's, uh, resonates with me as I think about this parable we're going to talk about today of the parable of the talents. So I'm going to read it to you um, and maybe pull it up on, on, the, on the next slide. So here, Matthew 25. For it was just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves, he entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who received five talents went and traded them, and he gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who received two talents gained two more. But the one who received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Not after a long time, uh, the master of the slaves came to settle the accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up, brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge with many things. Enter into the joy of the master. Also, the one who received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. And the one who received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And upon arrival, I would have at least received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him. Give it to the one who has five, who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, into that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. First place, Cadillac Eldorado. Second place, set of steak knives. Third place, (laughs) you're fired, all right? And so if you you think about that parable, again, lots of applications you could think about in faith, in business, and in in your own family walk. And so, you know, a couple observations, and then we'll jump into a few things on that that I take it from that. But You know a talent in that parable is said to be worth 15 years of wages so the one who got one talent they say that's probably a million dollars right the one who got you know five five million so it was a lot of money so even the one who got a little was blessed with a lot but it didn't work out so what do I take away as I read that parable you know success (coughs) it's a product of work it's you know you read the parable the first and the second one traded and worked and turned what they had into something. Um, And I think sometimes, and I see this, that Christians sometimes can think of success as counter-biblical. They can think of success that it's not something that is God-ordained. But I'd argue, you know, you look through the Bible, there's plenty of cases of David of Solomon of of Job of Abraham that were incredibly wealthy and blessed by God so I'm gonna say it's it's I think it's it isn't but I think what 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 is different is there's a difference between I think success and greed and then God calls us I think to be successful with what we have Uh, the other one interesting observation out of this parable is that we're, we're all not created equal Right? I'm not Ray Lucas. I can't run a 40 and 43. It's probably about an 8330. I would run if I was doing it. But you know, we're not all equal. So we're called to do the most with what we have. Right. So wherever you are, <coughs> it isn't that you're measured against other people. You're measured against what God's given you and what you do with that. And I think that parable, um, I, I think illustrates that. The other one I think that's, I, I think resonates with me is that it's okay to take risks, right? In the analogy, one of the, one of the three um, who successfully doubled his, doubled his talents uh, traded with what he had. Well, you can take risks, right? In business and life, if they're smart and they're calculated and I think sometimes we can sit and not be willing to take risks. And the last takeaway I think is that we'll all be held accountable Right. I mean, I think when we get to the end of our time, we're going to sit in front of uh, of the Lord. And what did you do with what I gave you? And that, I think, the biggest challenge with the analogy that we all think about. So, you know, we'll jump in a little bit into, you know, how do I apply this to business, to family and, and to my faith walk? Um, and, you know. Th- I want to start with and I think it's Kentucky Derby weekend um so I think there's an element of I think all through the New Testament of running a race and so um you know I think if we look at 1 Corinthians 9:24 don't you realize that in a race everyone wins but only one in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize run to win All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So run the race with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Um, I I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. You know, we're called not to get a participation award. We're called to win. And there's four or five stories through the New Testament where the analogy of running the race and winning is is right there so i'm going to challenge all of us to think about you know whatever you're doing you know being average you know is is not what god called us to do he's called us to win and so you know how do we apply this and i'm just going to give a couple thoughts you know i kind of view this as the three legs of the Triple Crown you know the the business side the family side the faith side how do you win all three legs of the Triple Crown which is a hard race right you tomorrow's the Kentucky Derby they start with the first run the second one slightly shorter and then the final leg the Belmont is is an extra distance that the horses often aren't able to complete so rarely does someone win the Triple Crown well how do we as Christian businessmen and leaders think about that Um, so I'd say the first thing, I, in, as a business person, I'd say, how, how many of you have your own business? Raise your hand if you, if you have. That's a lot of you. How many lead other people in your business? You have people that report to you. Yeah, so I think that's 90% of the room, right? You're leaders. You're leading people. Um, and so what are the things I think about in, in terms of being a Christian business leader? So the first thing is uh, we, we got to play defense before we play offense, and what i think about you know and and i think you think about the shift in the nfl used to be if you won the coin flip what would happen you would take the ball and you go down the field 90 percent of the time now it's shifted right teams decide play defense first so uh, as christians um here's why i say that if you google why are christians so up comes why are christians so it's not so amazing and nice and caring it's why are christians so mean ignorant judgmental hypocritical that's what comes up when people google why are christians so so taking that as leaders we have a big responsibility to lead with our actions not with our words i think there's more damage done i think through christians who speak about their faith and don't act their faith. And I think non-Christians look at that and say it's another hypocritical Christian, right? And so I think the big calling, and it's a challenge for me, I think it's a challenge for every Christian business leader that your actions are under a microscope, even more so now than than they have been ever, right? So you know, play defense first, have your life shine through so that you have the opportunity to speak on that. I think the other verse I'll read is Ecclesiastes 10.10. I was listening to a podcast from Irwin McManus uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he had a great talk on, on sharpening your, your axe. And from Ecclesiastes 10.10, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So I want you to think about that. I mean, as business guys, Christians, we're called to have the right instruments, tools, skills in what we do right when you're swinging an axe that's not the time when you're sharpening it right so what are you doing to improve yourself what are you doing to make yourself a better more equipped person in the profession that you're in Um, that's concept one and then I think you know success is hard you got to swing that axe a lot and so I think it's a great verse and you know I'll just give you one example you know I'm always in whatever spare time I can find trying to figure out new skills new things so I downloaded Chat GPT. H- how many of you have tried Chat GPT? Okay, about a fourth of you. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal, right? AI is out there. You can download it. It's free. But, you know, I just played with it. It was interesting. I um, was trying to get my wife out of a grumpy mood. Um, and I put in there, write a poem with these seven things about my wife. And it's great. You put in there, married 37 years, loves the beach. Out came this amazing poem that I sent to her. I didn't tell her it was Chat GPT for about a week. <laughs> she was like, wow, you've really, that is so kind. And I felt bad I had to tell her. But <laughs> there's a there's there's a husband trip trick for you, but but you know, learn new stuff, right? I mean it, it's you know, there's uh, softwares to learn, there's skills there's courses I think you know sharpen your axe um, and you know take time to improve what you're doing Um, you know I think you know work it's a reflection of your relationship with God you know we're called people see God through you as a Christian business leader how are you reflecting that Um, I think it's really important so that's leg one Um, let's talk about the second leg family and I'm gonna spend less time here but I think in that ten talent context you know Be a 10-talent business leader, be all you can be, achieve what you can achieve. I think that's godly. I think he's given you what he's given you, he's given you your gifting. And don't settle for less than what you should be. As The next piece, as a father and as a man, how do you be a 10-talent husband, father? And I would just say, when you're working hard and striving for success, it's hard to balance everything. And I know so many people in this room I talk to that go 100 miles an hour. You got many things going on in your business life, and it's hard, right? And so, how do you keep that balance? And so, my only encouragement there, and, and it's you know certainly a work in process for me, is that it's pretty elusive most you would say people that achieve high levels of success are usually divorced two or three times their life's a mess and their kids don't talk to them put it outside of the like it it is not a good outcome so you know to me a 10 talent life is your faith walk is in line you've figured out a way to do the best you can to balance your family which means being intentional about time time with your wife time with your kids balancing that and and it's hard but i would just say be intentional think about the time you spend um, you know, I think that's hard when, when we're type A achievers and have lots going on, but I think that's that's an important part. Now, the third leg, and I think certainly the most important leg, and, and is, you know, what are you doing as a 10-talent Christ follower? And, um, you know, I'm going to take you back, and we've got some football stuff I think we can talk about, but in 2005, 18 years ago, the, the, the Super Bowl was if you go back, New England was playing Philadelphia. It was uh, Tom Brady's early years. Paul McCartney played the halftime show. If you take yourself back to that time, it was the year after a wardrobe malfunction, and so they brought in the Beatle to kind of calm things down. Um, And in 2005, I think this is is kind of interesting, had you uh, invested $65,000 in Apple stock, And I imagine a lot of you have Apple stock in your portfolio today, and we've got some great guys who manage money. Andy, I'm sure you've got Apple in most of your your clients' uh, portfolios. But had you invested $65,000 at that time in the Super Bowl, today that would be worth $10 million. It's a 100 times return on Apple stock. Now, what does that have to do with anything? And I'm going to take you quickly to the parable of the sower. Um, The parable of the sower, I think, talks about what's expected in our faith walk, right? So Matthew 13, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering his seed, some fell on the path, and a bird came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Others fell on thorns. They grew up, choked the plants, while still others fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears let them hear a hundred times I mean God's talking about the impact you can have through planting seeds for the kingdom and what's possible uh, in that way and so you know when we think about you know kind of what are the principles and and I'm just again as a Christian business leader I'm gonna give you my thoughts and someone recently asked me Like, what do you do as a kingdom-minded business leader to further the faith? And and I've got four things that I kind of think about that I'll share with you. Um, You know, the first is, you know, loving others as Christ loved. Well, how do you do that? And I would just say, um, my model has been try to find ways to give time into endeavors that support people so i think a lot of you know and a lot of you've been involved with me with impact patterson we started through this group years ago an in, in effort to try to help the inner city through helping finding jobs um, that's led to just relationships we've had now for a number of years where a lot of the men here um, still go to patterson once a month we have dinner with a group of, of 25 guys we teach we actually have a program we make loans to the men the interse- the uh, underserved to help them get back on their feet and just what i've seen is that if you can find ministries that you can put time into and put money into that's a home run you know the relief bus is great right i mean so finding things that you know you can show your love through time that you put in also just through mentoring and time um you know i i god put on my heart a couple years ago that I should find some younger guys to mentor. And I go to the New York NCS as well on on Thursdays whenever I'm in New York. And and it was on my heart, you know, God, I'm open. I feel this calling. And I spoke there a few years ago And a young gentleman came up and, you know, said, hey, I've been praying for a mentor. And uh, would you help me? And he told me a story. He just got out of prison. he was a Harvard grad who got in some trouble and it's been a relationship now for three, four years that we've been able to help him in his spiritual walk. I've helped him go from I mean literally has a Harvard law degree from serving you know in a factory at night into now having a six-figure sales job that we were able to help him get into so like mentoring finding people that need you i think if you if you pray for god's will in that he'll bring people in your life um, the other one and i think you know at, at the uh, ncs conference in orlando and i just encourage all of you you got to go to those are great john tyson was a speaker and one of the things he said that stuck with me is that you can bless other people through noticing right noticing them recognizing them i mean it's a simple thought but that's i think some of the ways you can think about loving others um the other one is you know sharing the good news how do you share the good news and i would just say i was traumatized as a kid in sharing the good news so this christian baptist church i went to we were like in junior high they made us all go to a park with tracks And walk around the strangers and hand out tracks like that was the idea of evangelism and it was not fun as a a middle school kid walking up and saying here I want to give you this track and I couldn't really explain it but you know that's not what I'm saying it's not standing in New York with a sign that says you're burning in hell Uh, repent right I don't think that generally works but I think you know what do you do to share the good news Um, a couple thoughts you know I think um, finding people and I've seen in business finding people when things are down is often the best time to be able to talk to them about what's going on in their life and I've just had so many situations when someone is going through real-life trauma that's when they're open to talking and if you've built that relationship it opens up the discussion about the peace that I have about things that happen Um, you know as a business owner and I run a company that is private equity owned, and and so, I can't just be all over the front page. We're a Christian organization because we're we're not a Christian organization. We're we're an organization that's run by by a Christian CEO. So how do you find opportunities to share faith? Um, I'll just share one story. We you know during COVID, we had just bought a business in London, um, and the owner of the business ended up in the early week or two of COVID, got COVID went in the hospital, was on a ventilator, and it was like, and you remember the time when that was what was happening. And the whole company's like, what what can we do? And so what we decided to do, we had a company-wide Zoom prayer meeting. And we invited people to come in, and now my company has people of all faiths. I mean, we've got Christians, Mormons, Muslims. I have a Wiccan witch who works with us who's proud of that. I mean, we have people of all types that work uh, around the world for us. But we had 170 people show up. We had a brief devotional, and we had five of the Christians in the group pray to Jesus. And, you know, again, just an opportunity for, for it to shine through in the right time. So I think, you know, it's tricky, but you got to pick your spots on that um, in terms of, of where you are. Um, the last one I think is, you know, we're all blessed in terms of where we are. Like, I think investing in kingdom work is, is important. And I think it's not just, you know, time, but, you know, churches need our tithe, ministries need our money. Um, and so I think the way we can, I think, be a 10 talent leader as a businessman is make sure you're investing in what God's given you. We'll be held accountable to that. And then the last one I think is you all have influence, right, in your spheres. You're you're running companies, you're leading people. How do you um, influence others? How do you make an impact on others through what you can do? And just little things. I mean, I'll just share, you know, I mentioned this gentleman I'm mentoring in New York um, who went through some real trauma, who's now on a faith walk. Um, You know, whenever I'm in New York, I'll ping him and say, Hey, I'm going to NCS in New York. You should come. And he only comes when I show up. But he but he showed up yesterday. John John Tyson was speaking. It was all on redemption from past pain. And and this kid has been through some trauma and pain. And it was, I mean, sitting next to me, and I you know, I I enjoyed the talk, but he was literally in tears. It was the right message for him that day. And so say I mean I had the influence with my relationships to say, I'm gonna be there, would you come, right? And I think, you know, for all of us, we invite people to come to the NCS, invite people to come to conferences, to church. It's an opportunity. And, and certainly the joy of NCS, one of them is, a lot easier to get people to show up here, invite them to come to the NCS, than it is to come to church right come check out Ray Lewis sorry I'm again I'm not Ray Lewis but um, but they'll, they'll show up right and and they have an opportunity uh, for God to work in their lives so think about your influence are you using it in a way that you could because I think all of us can um, so leadership we've talked a lot about it I'm gonna cl- close with just a thought on you know Jim Collins who wrote good to great talks about they studied group companies, they looked at leaders of the best companies with the best returns, right? And what they found in those leaders, I think it's pretty interesting. What were the characteristics of these amazing leaders? And one, they led with a powerful mix of personal humility, professional will, um, and and, and servant type leadership. If you think about that, mix of personal humility and professional will it's Christ-like leadership. And then every leader they study. this what I think was interesting, right? It wasn't, they didn't define themselves by their money. They defined themselves by their impact, by their contribution, and by their purpose. So think about that in your leadership in terms of what you're doing. Um, and I think for all of us, the challenge as we think about what's ahead for all of us, we'll be standing in that situation where You know, we're gonna get a Cadillac El Dorado, a set of steak knives, or uh, hopefully we're not getting you fired in front of, you know, the end of time. But what did you do with what I've given you? Um, And so my encouragement to all of you is just, you know, think about how you're using your talents to be the best you can be, right? We're running a race, we're running a race not to place to show, we're running a race to win. So think about that in your business life, your family life, and your faith life. And I think all of us will, uh, I think, be able to hear the, the words, well done, good, and taken straight. So, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it.